I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. My name is Nathan Truitt, and the scripture reading this morning is from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I received a text from a friend last week asking for prayers. On the heels of her breast cancer diagnosis last year, her mother's breast cancer diagnosis just a few weeks ago and and the global pandemics of of racism and COVID-19. She had just found out that her beloved dog had nose cancer. In the moment of reading that text, I was I was struck by this 
incredible mutuality of the human condition and the condition of all creation. As our beloved pets age, they face a higher risk of cancer, just like us. Animals around the world suffer from influenza, just like us. We share so much of life's hardness. In that moment, I offered up a, a simple prayer. Christ, have mercy. O come, O come, Emmanuel. In the beginning, the story goes, God created man. God didn't speak man into existence from nothingness the way that God spoke light into existence, but God formed man from um, an earthy dust. In English, we lose the significance, the, the poetry even of this moment. Dirt, you see, in Hebrew is Adama. And from Adama, God formed Ha-Adam, or man. And God realized that this Ha-Adam, creation of gods, needed something more. And so God took the same dirt, the, the same Adama, and formed every animal of the field and bird of the air to be a companion to Ha-Adam. All of creation was formed from this same dirt. In our modern age of reason, the Genesis creation story can feel just like, you know, another mythology. But there is this powerful interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson where he gets so excited about explaining how really our very molecules can be traced to the stars. We are all stardust, he exclaims. Yes. Yes, we are, Neil. We are all Adama. And after God formed all creation, the plants, the animals, and humans from Adama, God sat back, looked around, and the Bible says, found everything to be tov. Now, our English Bibles translate this word as, as good. And yes, that is what it means. But the difference between how we use the word good and how God uses the word good here, it's, well, it's staggering. So we often think about goodness in, in this really sort of static state that describes an object. And that's not at all not at all what the Hebrew word means. The, the goodness that God sees, well, it's, it's harmony. 
uh, harmony should imply something dynamic that, that involves the way in which different things move with each other to create something beautiful. Harmony, harmony is relationship. It, it's connection. In the Genesis story, it's the beautiful connection in which man and God and creation are deeply connected and serve each other so that, that life thrives, is sustained by this harmonious and beautiful connection. But we all know that in this story, things didn't stay tove. At some point, humanity decided that they didn't need to serve God or creation and chose to serve themselves instead. When humans broke the harmony, it, it didn't just disrupt their connection to God, our connection to God. It disrupted every connection that was part of the harmony. When we speak of human brokenness, we're, we're actually speaking about broken connections. And the brokenness we feel, it's also felt by creation. Creation maybe even feels it more acutely. When God punishes Adam and Eve and, and expels them from the garden, God also curses the ground. In the garden, the ground is productive and, and fertile. It produces all that it has the potential to produce. When humanity decides to only serve itself, the productive potential is stripped from the ground. And in place of easy productivity, humans are going to find futile production, weeds and thorns and thistles. Creation's brokenness is keenly felt. And the Old Testament prophets tell us over and over and over again that the land mourns, the land grieves. Creation groans. Creation sighs. Creation laments. The story of God's people it is a story of the constant turning away from God, of taking matters into their own hands, of creating their own kings, their own gods, and trying to be the authors of their own salvation. And throughout these stories, the land mourns, creation groans, creation laments. In Hosea, God accuses Israel of not knowing God, swearing, lying, murder, stealing, adultery. They all break out. Bloodshed follows bloodshed and the land mourns. The prophet tells us that all who live in this land languish, and we might assume that Hosea means people, but the prophet tells us that the wild animals, 
the birds of the air, the fish of the sea are perishing. The land mourns. Creation groans. Creation laments. Through the prophet Joel, God tells Israel to lament, to awake, to be ashamed, to wail. God has to tell the people what they ought to be doing because they are so connected from God, disconnected from God, from each other, from creation. But creation, Joel tells us, creation is already mourning. Creation is already lamenting. The animals groan. The herds of cattle are restless. Even the flocks of sheep suffer creation laments. Now, lament is not just a, a wail of grief. Biblical lament has a form. In it, the lamenter wails and, and rails about their experience of pain and, and suffering. You can hear their heartache in their words, and in that heartache, they cry out to God. Sometimes they rage to God, sometimes they weep. But they always call on God with the steady assurance that they are calling out to a God who hears them. When the prophet tells us that creation laments, they expect that we will know that formula that we will know that the God who hears our cries is also a God who will hear our petitions. And so we know that God hears the lament of creation. In chapter 12 of Jeremiah, God tells the weeping prophet that the people have destroyed the land. They've made it a, a desolate wilderness. God says, it mourns to me, but no one lays it to heart. No one lays the grief of the wilderness to heart. No one, that is, except for God. God hears the lament of creation. But if God hears the lament of creation. What then is the is creation's petition to God? If you listen closely, you can hear it. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Did you hear it in our scripture reading today? In Romans 8, the Apostle Paul tells us that creation waits to be set free from the bondage of decay. That the whole of creation has been groaning in labor pains, waiting for, what does he say? Waiting for the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You see, creation knows. Creation knows at its core how connected we are meant to be. The Adama knows itself in the Ha'adam and desperately, desperately feels the deep wounds of that disconnection. 
In Isaiah 24, the prophet's oracle details God's judgment. The prophet says, The earth lies polluted under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. The prophet wrote thousands, thousands of years ago, and yet here we are at the tail end of 2020 with a polluted earth still under our feet. Instead of stewarding God's creation, we decided that we were possessors of God's creation, beholden to no one but ourselves. Look around. Look around at a world reeling from broken covenant. November 30th was the second day of Advent, but it was also the last day of the Atlantic hurricane season. Now, an average hurricane season, it has about 12 named storms and, and maybe six or so hurricanes. 2020 brought 30 named storms and 13 hurricanes, including 12 that made landfall right here in the United States, five in Louisiana alone. In mid-September, five tropical cyclones were active in the Atlantic at one time. Scientists with the National Hurricane Center suggest that La Nina weather patterns combined with global warming created this active hurricane season, the most active hurricane season in recorded history, transgressed laws, violated statutes, broken covenant. You know, it took a global pandemic for air pollution numbers to finally decrease. Stay-at-home orders reduced air pollution by nearly a quarter in many countries. And while our cars, though, were off the roads, people stayed at home with pantries full of single-use plastics. And our oceans, as a result, have seen a 30% increase in plastics pollution during the pandemic. So much of that, though, seems to include the 129 billion face masks that are being made every single month. We have transgressed laws. We have violated the statutes. We have broken the everlasting covenant. And now creation laments. Creation cries out, O come, O come, Emmanuel. God hears creation's lament. God hears creation's petition. And God responds. When the prophet Joel speaks of God's restoration, 
He speaks not to the people of Zion. He first speaks to the land and to the beasts of the field. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice. God promises both the children of Zion and the land, I will restore to you the years the swarming locust has eaten. When God speaks of, of God's promise of restoration, God speaks first to those who repented and mourned first. The ground and the non-human inhabitants of creation. Those that first called out, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Uh, humanity's hubris is that we hear the God promises of God as a restoration, as a promise only for us. We gloss over God's promise to anything that doesn't walk or talk like us. But the reality is that God is not just acting for the sake of humanity. God is acting for the sake of all of God's creation. In Isaiah and Joel and Jeremiah and yes, in Paul, the rest of creation is ready. The rest of creation knows what it needs. It calls out, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. Creation is groaning. Creation is crying out to God, and, and all the while, creation is waiting. Waiting, Paul says, eager, longing for the revealing of the children of God in the three-part harmony of God, creation, and humanity. Creation cannot find its redemption, its restoration, it's liberty from the bondage of decay until we have found our redemption, our restoration, our liberation from the bondage of decay. But are we yet groaning? Are we yet mourning? Have we yet called out to our God in the assurance that God will hear us? Have we yet made our petition to God, O come, O come, Emmanuel? As Jesus entered Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, the disciples uh, called out, Hosanna. The, the gospel writer uh, tells us that some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, order your disciples to stop. And Jesus answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out, Jesus knows that the stones would shout Hosanna. He knows that the stones are shouting Hosanna. In the long ending of Mark, we read in chapter 15, verse 16, that Jesus says to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all 
creation. But what part of creation, the animals of the field, the birds of the air, the land doesn't need the gospel preached to it. Creation knows the gospel. That creation has been waiting for the gospel. That creation proclaims the gospel. Psalm 19 sings, the heavens are telling the glory of God and the earth proclaims his handiwork. Jesus Christ is the beginning of the fulfillment of creation's petition to God. That creation began even as the connection was being broken. Oh, come. Oh, come, Emmanuel. Creation is groaning. Creation is crying out. Humanity needs the gospel. Humanity needs to repent, to mourn, to lament. If we listen closely, creation is teaching us how to do that. To call out to God, to put away our desire to subject others and instead subject ourselves to the desire of God. From the Adama, we were formed by God. By the Adama, we can be conformed to God. Creation calls us into its own repentance so that in its movement toward the beloved Lord, we might find ourselves groaning as we take on the first fruits of the Spirit our own repentance for the obstacles we have erected to the welcoming of God's coming. In this dynamic state of, of shared repentance, perhaps we can find that dynamic relationship that once was our three-part harmony of God creation, and humanity as together we call out, O come, O come, Emmanuel. The polluted world is sick under our feet. Our beloved animal companions suffer from the same cancers that we do. Greenhouse gas emissions go up, fueled by a desire for higher profit margins. And single-use plastic has taken over our lives as it overtakes the ocean and ensnares sea life. It is so easy to look around at, at this broken world and struggle to see how we can fix it. And the truth of the matter is, we can't. Not, not on our own anyway. But we live in hope. In, in hope, Paul says, we were saved. The most 
amazing thing to me about lament is not its expression of raw grief, but that at its vulnerable heart, it is moored in hope. In the hope of a God who listens, in the hope of a God who cares, in the hope of a God of transformation, who promises restoration, not just to us, but to all of God's creation. And not someday in the future, but, but right now, right here, today. As we end creation's wait for the revealing of God's children by, by calling out from the depths of our heart with our greatest desire for reconciliation, restoration, transformation, oh come, oh come Emmanuel and ransom captive Israel that mourns in, in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Oh, come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to flight. And here, here in this season of waiting and longing and hoping and crying out, God responds to our petition saying, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. Emmanuel shall come to thee. Thanks be to God. And so with our hearts crying out for transformation and restoration of our relationships, will you, will you pray with me? Oh God of all creation, you formed us from the Adama the dirt. You breathed life into us and sat us down in the garden. From that same Adama, that same dirt, you created companions for us. The birds in the air, the animals in the field, the dogs, the dogs on our laps. God, you created everything. And because it was created by you, it was tov. It was harmonious. It was beautifully connected. But in our pride and in our inflated sense of self-worth, we decided that we did not need you that we were God enough and we turned away from you and away from your beautiful creation. Because we, we wanted to be kings in our own right. We wanted to be the authors of our own salvation. 
we confess to you, God, that in our rush to be on top, we have left behind desolation and despair in your creation. We have transgressed laws, violated statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant with you. We have used your creation as a means to our ends, adopting a policy of scorched earth anywhere that it befitted our immediate needs to do so. And while creation was lamenting and calling out to you, God, we ignored it. We told ourselves that your promises were only for us and that you created everything around us for our own use. We confess that we have moved so far away from your likeness that we cannot see nor can we feel the stardust in us that connects us to everything else in your creation. We lift up to you all of the people we have harmed as we bulldozed our way through creation, claiming imminent domain. We lift up each animal that we drove to extinction in our quest for profit and for amusement. We lift up the waterways filled with our floating plastics, the, the air brown from smog from our factories and, and our cars, and the land stripped by us of its deposits of minerals and ores. As we move into our second week of Advent, help us to put away our hubris and find instead the stardust that binds us to your creation and binds us to you. Instead of wallowing in the despair of a broken world, help us live into the hope of your redemptive love an infinite, expansive grace. As we sing the songs of Advent, let their poetry transform our hearts so that through you and with you, we can begin the work of restoration so that we can join all, all of creation as heaven and nature sing. We ask this, in the name of the long-expected Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us, who taught us to pray, saying these words, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine, mine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. There is peace at the table of the Lord.
there is peace.